Hello, and welcome to Peter Pan Man Dan, a podcast about fatherhood. I'm Dan, a screenwriter and first-time father, and these are my adventures. This is a special two-part episode, and is called From Peter Pan Man Dan to Dad, and is about the birth of my son. Part two. Once our new nurse, Princess Di, took over from our old nurse, Frances, she gave us a preview of what the next few hours would look like. We would continue monitoring the contractions, watching their frequency and intensity. Once Meredith felt some rectal pressure, it would be time to check to see the dilation progression. <laughs> rectal pressure! <laughs> I wanted to pair it back like Beavis and Butthead from my corner. Meredith was being such a tough cookie and the contractions were mild enough that at this point she was toying with the idea of not getting an epidural unless the pain got intolerable. I, being a pussy who takes Tylenol even if I sense a whiff of a headache, was pushing for her to get one. Well, I will say this. Childbirth is the pain in which all other pain is measured against. There's no prize or benefit to not getting one, said Princess Di, sounding so delightfully pleasant and tranquil in the process. Around noon, the contractions legitimately did start to get stronger and longer. There was a small monitor next to Meredith's hospital bed tracking the baby's heartbeat and her contractions. The green squiggles denoting the contractions were spiking every couple of minutes now. Meredith was now in an incredible amount of pain. She had moved from being a casual zero to a full-on ten. Around 12.30, she uttered her first and only, Fuck! Why did we do this? Once the contractions got so bad Meredith was unable to talk or breathe, she decided it was time to get the epidural. They hooked it into her back, instantly giving her relief. Once the epidural was in, I decided that I'd sneak back down to the cafeteria to grab some more coffee and some lunch. I'm a fainter, not to brag. Hell, I had fainted just a few months earlier when my surgeon removed the stitches in my belly after my gallbladder surgery. So... There was some growing concern amongst Meredith and Princess Di that I'd be fainting during labor. And that's the last thing they needed. So I figured some sugar and food would protect against that. I ordered a chicken sandwich and grabbed a pack of tropical Skittles. The Skittles reminded me of vacation. And sometimes when life is getting heavy, you need to be reminded of that. I was admittedly feeling anxious about everything going exactly right during labor. Then, everything to come after it. I mean, I was about to be a father. The heaviness of the change I was going to be experiencing was weighing on me. I was scared. I was scared I wouldn't be a great dad like mine was. I was scared I wouldn't be patient enough to get through the rough infant stage. I was scared how all of this was going to affect my ability to write, and in turn impact the pursuit of my dreams. I was scared I wouldn't be selfless enough to put someone else's needs above my own. But while I was waiting for my chicken sandwich to cook, I looked down at the ground, and gleaming back at me was a penny. Heads up. Oh man, that's amazing, I said to myself, probably making others around me think I was referring to the Skittles and not the penny. The penny was amazing because when my father was on his deathbed, he said that every time we found a penny, it was him thinking of us. It was a way to make it feel like he was still around after he was gone. It sounds cheesy, but it's shocking how often I'd spot a penny when I needed my dad the most. And I felt like I needed him now. 
When he was alive, he'd always comfort us with a, I love you, and a, it's going to be okay, making us feel better, calmer, and more in control. So finding the penny instantly reminded me that, despite all the things to be worried about and scared about, it was going to be okay. After all, being nervous and scared also shows that you care. I was scared because I cared about doing a good job. I cared about being a good dad. I cared about giving my son a good life. I love you, Dan. It's going to be okay, I heard my dad say in my head as I picked up the penny and popped it into my pocket. Now calmed by the magical penny, I grabbed my chicken sandwich, a fresh coffee, and my pack of Skittles and headed back up to Meredith. She was admittedly more relaxed with the epidural. The contraction frequency continued to increase, spiking every two minutes or so. It was clear we were getting closer and closer to labor. My mom arrived. She wanted to be with us up in the delivery room. However, with COVID, they were only allowing one additional person in. I was that plus one, not to brag. But my mom decided to come to the hospital anyway, hanging outside, pacing around the facility. I know I can't be up there, but I just want you to feel my presence, said my mom as she paced. And I did. With the dad penny in my pocket and my mom pacing outside, I felt supported, loved, like Meredith and I weren't in this alone. You're now at eight centimeters, said Princess Di after her latest cervical inspection. We're closing in on it. She explained that Meredith would continue feeling increased pressure on her bowels. You'll feel like you're about to poop a bowling ball, to put it rather bluntly, added Princess Di. Hey, I'm the one who makes the fart and poop jokes around here, I wanted to say. But instead, I took a chug of my coffee and popped a couple of Skittles in my mouth like they were Xanax. At 7 p.m., Princess Di's shift was over. I'm sorry to abandon you so late in the game. I hope to be here for all of my patients' births, as I grow rather attached. But you'll be in good hands with your new nurse. She gestured over to the door to reveal our new nurse. To our delight, it was Frances, our old nurse. That's how long we had been there. Frances had gone home, eaten, probably popped on a home makeover show, slept, showered, eaten again, and was back. Hi there, hon. How you holding up? She asked. Good, but definitely ready to get this baby out, said Meredith. I bet the little guy is ready to come out, hon, said Francis. Could you sort of walk us through the next couple of hours, bullet points? I asked. Well, hon, the contractions will get even closer in frequency. Then, when she's at 10 centimeters, Meredith is going to push like hell. Then you'll have a baby, hon, Francis casually explained. Meredith's OBGYN, Dr. Bone, arrived to perform the delivery around 7.15. At 7.28, Meredith started to push like hell. Now, I thought there was going to be a whole team of doctors, nurses, and specialists present for the pushing. But it was just Meredith, Francis, Dr. Bone, and me. I also thought that I'd just stand next to Meredith and hold her hand and let her yell at me for doing this to her. But Francis instructed me to grab one of Meredith's legs, acting as a sort of human stirrup. Grab a leg, hon. Let's help this tough cookie push, said Francis while grabbing the other leg, Dr. Bone in the center. Push, push, push. Good job, good job, good job, said Francis during each contraction. Atta girl, that's my tough cookie, hon. Now, I already felt worthless, like I wasn't adding anything useful to this whole ordeal. 
but a man never feels more worthless than during childbirth. It's all on the woman. There's nothing we can do but be there, grab a leg, and encourage the pushing. Since I didn't know what to do or how to help, I just screamed encouragements with Francis. We were like a couple of coxswain as Meredith worked her ass off, pushing with all of her might. Push, push, push. Good job, good job, good job, we yelled in unison. Jinx, you owe me a Coke, I wanted to say to Francis. But jokes were 100% out of the question at this point. No way in hell did I have the balls to even attempt one. I just wanted to do everything in my power to make sure Meredith made it through this, knowing that I loved her and that this would all be worth it. Now, I'll stop the play-by-play here and spare Meredith her dignity by not going into the barbaric details. Plus, I'm not sure I can find the right words to accurately describe the brutality of labor. So I'll just say this. Whew! Childbirth. Whoa! Pretty intense stuff right there. Women are absolute gladiators and without question the tougher sex for going through it. My god. Meredith pushed for just over two hours, enough time for my mom to do six miles worth of pacing around the outside of the building, at least according to her iPhone step counter. Then finally, at 9.36, it happened. Our son Theodore John Marshall was born, screaming into the world with a look of utter shock on his mushy face. He was already perfect in our eyes, our hearts swelling. We'd call him Theo for short. By then, a few additional doctors and nurses had accumulated. They let me cut the umbilical cord despite only contributing Dorito jokes and a few good job yells to the day. It felt like when the owners of an NBA team get to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy before the players, who did all the actual work. After the cutting, they then whisked Theo away to some side table to check that everything was okay. He continued to shriek in confusion not sure why the hot tub that he'd been living in had suddenly sucked him down the drain and into this much more dangerous, colorful, stimulating world. I eased my way back bedside, kissed Meredith. We both looked at each other with teary eyes. You did it, warrior bear, I said. You're so amazing. I love you. I love you, she said back. Is he okay? She asked, already putting her child above her own health like so many mothers before her. Yep, he'll be okay. He just peed on us shouted one of the nurses. See, I said, he's already pissing on people. Dr. Bone requested that I step away so she could attend to Meredith. I went over to make sure Theo was okay. He was still crying, but he was ultimately fine. I tried a joke now that there was less tension in the room and more celebrating. You think you have a bad Theo? Your mom and I had to get up at 3 a.m., I said. Luckily, a few nurses forced giggles. My first dad joke. Theo had a little fluid in his lungs, so the doctors wanted to take him to the NICU for further tests and overnight observation. There wasn't any serious concern, just precautionary stuff, so I left Meredith to recover. I followed Theo down the hallway, where passing nurses smiled and wished him a happy birthday. After about an hour of them doing various tests on him in the NICU, me sitting at the side of his incubator, I finally got to hold him. My mom always said she wanted us to have kids so that we'd understand just how much she loved us. And I gotta say, there's nothing like that instantaneous love you feel for your child. Everything you go through to get a child into this world and everything you will continue to do to keep them in this world is all worth it just to feel that euphoric love.
I looked down at Theo, trying my best to channel my mom and my dad, everything they had taught me about being a good parent. He opened his blue eyes just enough to get a fuzzy look at the bearded weirdo who helped bring him to life, and then wrapped all of his fingers around one of mine. I looked back at him, thinking about what my dad would say in this situation. I love you, Theo. It's going to be okay, I said. It's going to be okay. I was officially a dad now. This has been Peter Pan Man Dan, a Mangano Movies and Media podcast. Thanks for listening.